in your worship guide, you have today's scripture for my teaching today. And um, I'm going to be reading uh, two sections, one section from Romans chapter 7, the other section from Romans chapter 8. And the reason why I'm jumping into the other chapters is because they go together, okay? So, uh, even though there are two separate citations or pericopes in Scripture, as we call them, uh, I'm going to be reading them as one narrative. And I want you to please pay attention, engage your mind at what I'm saying, because understanding the dynamics of the soul and the spirit, listen to this, understanding the dynamics, dynamics is the way it functions, the way it works, the energy, the movements of the soul and the spirit will definitely allow us to live a closer life to God because we understand and we're allowing God to work in our lives the way God wishes to work in our lives. Many times we want to go, I, actually, when I was a college student, I, I used to work at a place called Walden Books. Remember Walden Books? In the mall by University Square Mall in Tampa. Uh, I was at University of South Florida doing my degree in underwater basket weaving when, um, when I would read in the bookstore. That's where I got my classical theological collections at 45% discount because I was an employee. Yeah. <laughs> so I got those books since then. But in there, there was a, the, the biggest section of that small bookstore and the ones where people would walk in straight towards was not the cooking section, interestingly enough. It was not the children's section. I'm talking up to you about 1980. 283. I was this tall. I was in college. And, and the number one section that people went straight to was called the self-help section. Remember that? The self-help? It's still around. A smaller section, though. Uh, it's been now uh, morphed with spirituality and all that other stuff, you know, as the, as the new uh, century postmodernism tries to market and sell. But uh, the self-help Christianity, let me tell you one, uh, right away, and maybe I'll pop your bubble. Christianity is not about self-help. In no way, shape, or form, God sent Jesus Christ for you to become a better person on your own strength. Right? It is by grace. But it happens only if you're aware that it's happening only if you understand some of these dynamics, either by teaching or by life experience. Because God is the teacher. Okay? So listen to closely the word of the Lord as Paul himself is writing about the struggles of the soul, which is what I'm going to be speaking about in the next few minutes. Listen to and for the word of the Lord. I have discovered this principle of my life. That when I want to do that, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And I'm really used to listen to this in this way. Oh, miserable de mí. Oh, how miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Well, it ends with a question mark. The answer follows, okay? 
Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see how it, how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to, Jesus, to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, uh, I'm going to stop. Do you belong to Him? Oh, uh, um, uh, uh, let me try it again. Do you belong to Him? Amen. The powers then of the life-given Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our own sinful nature. So God did the law, God did what the law could not do. How? He sent His own Son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the judgment, the law, would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated, controlled, or enticed by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your minds lead to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God, and it never will. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. But those who are controlled by the but those who are not controlled by the sinful nature, you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living within you. The Word of the Lord. Whew, a lot to deal with. But let's try it this way. Let me just do the introduction. I started a series last week called Gardening the Soul. And we began with a text from Jesus in Matthew 16, 26, where he declares, And what do you benefit, what do you profit, if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? So losing our integrity, losing our inner peace, losing our moral compass, losing our own willful direction, losing our will, losing our attitudes, thoughts, and minds to things that are temporary and who really don't satisfy, like fame, money, ego trips, convenience, and satisfactions. We discovered last week that our soul is the seat of our, what, what in the 20th century was called the ego, our thoughts, our attitudes, emotions, minds, hearts, and the will. We were reminded by the parable of Jesus that there were three kinds of soils, or three kinds of soils slash souls, in this world, and we had the first one was the hardened soil. And this was the heart that's beat up, that's just, you know, uh, in pain, is crusted, is defensive, and is closed up. 
We also heard about the heart who was rocky. This was the seed that fell on the rocky soil. And the rocky soil is a heart that is kind of superficial. It's got a very thin layer of, of soil, but it is bedrock at the bottom. It is rock solid. It is blocking. It is also superficial. It tends to vacillate. It tends to not make commitments. We also heard about the thorny soil slash soul. And this is perhaps the one that we all are, uh, many of us may fit into because it is the, the soil that is cluttered, the soil that is so busy, the soil that just doing, 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 and doing, and is always looking for that moment to rest. It is never organized to its best, and perhaps it's never satisfied. But Jesus also spoke about another kind of soil, as we remember last week. He spoke about the soil with a good soul. Shifting words here. The soil with a good soul, where the gardener can toil, can tilt, can turn over, can fertilize, can weed, can dig, can prune. And we reach the conclusions that our soul needs tending care and work. So we must care for our souls because it is broken and it is actually detached from God. You see, God created us in His image and in His likeness. And in that way, God created us as spirit, soul, and body. First Thessalonians 5.23, which is in the cover of your, of your worship guide, tells us that we, that Paul is telling the Thessalonians that he desires for the Thessalonians to behave, to behave, no. <laughs> he desires for the Thess Thessalonians to, to, to prosper and to be healthy, for their whole being, their entire being to be healthy. He says, spirit, soul, and body. So he's declaring who we really are, you see, and that is part of our inner world. Our, our, our outside world, we, we, we do dress nicely sometimes, except if it's Monday morning for me. Our outside world, we, we kind of manage. We, we, it's kind of certain because we do have a certain control of the things outside that, that we can control. But our inner world, which is what Paul is talking about, which is what soul carries about, it's about our soul. It's about our ideas, our emotions, our fears and expectations. A world of disappointment, perhaps a world where wishes and, and, and dreams can come true. Perhaps illusions can be there. But it's a world that we not always can control because of its brokenness and because we just don't know how it always works. That is why I say that learning the dynamics of our soul and spirit will help us not only understand ourselves, but also will help us live a closer life with Jesus Christ. Let's get to work. In your worksheet front, you have three lines. The first line on top, you're going to write Holy Spirit. Who doesn't have a pen? Ushers, please. Who doesn't have a pen? There are pens on the tables near you. Let's get to write. This is class now. It's a class. <laughs> so, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, that's God, okay? Then in the second little line above, you're going to write the word Spirit in small Letter, small s, spirit, just like I have up here. 
And the reason for it is that whenever you read Scripture, and you read Scripture that may have an uppercase S, it is actually referring to the Holy Spirit. So whenever you're reading Scripture, particularly that, well, actually both Old and New Testament, when it is referring to the Holy Ghost, to the Spirit of God, you will always see it with a capital S. When it is referring to us, to the Spirit in humanity, then it is in lower case. Now, if we go down, I have a line here, I don't know if you can see them. If we go down to this, to this corner, you're going to write here your soul, okay? Now, this is a triangle. You may have seen this, and I think James, uh, James Mullen has it in his Bible as three circles, right? In, in your old Bible. I remember seeing that in the class. So, this is just arbitrarily. I just use a triangle because it's easier for me, okay? But if you want to play with three circles, you can, okay? So, there's a soul. Now, what, what part is left? What do you think is here? You got it. Now, back in Genesis, in this first, well, second and third chapter, we find the story, the narrative of the fall of humanity. The, the, the Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and, and they messed up, and, and they died. God said, if you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. What died? Wait a minute. Did God lie right from the first book? Because I noticed, John, that when they eat the fruit, they're still alive, right? And God is talking to them. So what died? What died within Adam and Eve? What died within humanity? You got it, the Spirit. God is a Spirit. So God, who created us, Spirit, soul, and body, would relate to humanity through the Spirit. So our Spirit died. So if you want to, you can draw a line. I didn't do it here because I But you can draw a line, a cut-up line, through here. Because our humanity, when Paul talks about people who are controlled by this world or by the flesh or by their temptations or whatever, he's talking about you and I that function at a soul-body level. Okay. When Jesus was speaking with Nicodemus, he told Nicodemus, you must be what? What? And Nicodemus didn't get it. You mean I got to shrink somehow and go back into the womb of my mama? And Jesus kind of avoided the question or, or the, the straight answer. Is, uh, uh, no, you must be born of what? Spirit and water. So what is born again when we have that connection, that when we live, when, we, uh, when God comes to our lives and reconnects with us? What is that's born again? What died? What is born again? The spiritual connection. Our spirit is born again, and now we are again spirit, soul, and body. But, oh, miserable man that I am, Paul said. He finds a law, he finds a principle that says, those things that I want to do, I don't do, and those things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. So he's in this spiritual struggle, and this is the key here. You see, the Spirit, good, the Spirit has got all of the perfections. Now, the word perfections 
is an old theological word. If you read that old stuff, you'll find the word perfections. But you know what the word perfection means? Attributes, the qualities of God. Now, in God, God's love is perfect, right? God's joy is perfect because it is God's. God's peace is perfect. God's kindness is perfect. God's faithfulness is perfect. Is always perfect because it is the attributes, the perfections of God, Okay? in our souls. We have some of that stuff. We have love, right? Do you love the person sitting next to you? Maybe. Don't, don't do it now. <laughs> we don't want to turn 14, a domestic. <laughs> you see? But, but, you know, we have kindness, but it's limited. So, in us, the residue or the imperfect perfections Get them? The unhealthy perfections dwell in us in the natural level, at soul level. We have hungers, in plural, hungers, desires, temptations. We are thirsty for things in our lives. We have expectations and dreams. And let me be honest with you, some of these things are there because God made the soul to be a needy thing. That will deal next week. The need of the soul and how to fit it in, okay? So today we also have pains, hurts, fears, angers, negative stuff. You know what negative stuff is? (sighs) Sins that others may have committed against us when we were a child, in a relationship, in a marriage, at a job. Things that we cannot keep, and they keep us down. Negative stuff. I call it the negative, active past, because it is negative. We don't believe it's active, but it comes through, (laughs) and it belongs to the past. It hasn't been healed yet. So, how come if we believers, we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, we have the spirit that has been born within us, and, and we have all these perfections. How come we still get stuck in here and behave and hurt other people and ourselves? Why? Simple. Because the perfections from on top have not yet, well, the perfections from on top have not yet become part of our soul. In other words, God's kind of love grows in us, is perfected in us. We cannot go to a workshop, we cannot go to a self-help seminar and learn to love like God loves. And the one way in which God loves that it is difficult for us to do is what's called unconditional love. God loves unconditionally. Another perfection that we sometimes have difficulties in bringing down to the soul or marrying God's perfection with our imperfection. And if you guys know algebra, when you have a positive and negative, you have a positive, I think. I'm not sure. But when, when we have God's perfections coming to our soul and beginning to become more of us gardening in there, 
God's love begins to grow in our soul. God's love begins to, to, to take away the weeds of resentment, perhaps things from the past, okay? So those perfections, when they come, that's why the text says, if you allow, if you let the Spirit, it's not going to happen by will, if you let the Spirit, the Spirit will guide you and lead you to this perfection. So another issue, forgiveness, and then I'll move on, forgiveness. Uh, we all know what forgiveness is, right? When, when you go by somebody and you say, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't really mean it. But our forgiveness, our capacity to forgive is broken, right? It, it's not perfect. It's not because if we were really able to forgive, we will have a lot of a better life. Okay? So forgiveness is an issue that, that we have a resemblance of it in our souls because it was, belongs to God. But it's not perfect. It's not the best way of forgiveness. So as we encounter situations in our life, as we hit life or as life hits us, then this is the moment of learning. This is the moment of allowing the Spirit to teach us. This is the moment of yielding to the Spirit as we talk about. Wow, I did all that. So allowing those perfections to dwell in our souls, that's what makes us more like Jesus, right? Does that make sense? And how does that happen? That happens as we go through life. That happens as we walk through our life. That happens as when life hits us and we become aware of a particular issue, we become aware of a particular pain, we become aware of a particular situation. So our job is to listen to discern of what God wants to do in our lives. And when the next time you have a spat with somebody else, yes, you have the spat with somebody else, but then listen carefully to what God is trying to, where God is trying to lead you. Because the purpose of this perfections of the Spirit is to become our way of life. If you walk in the Spirit, you will have peace in life. If you don't walk in the Spirit, you will have death. Now, we're not talking about death after you die. We're talking about just the quality of life that's not the best. Because you belong to Christ. You belong to Christ. And as you allow the Spirit to grow the qualities of Christ in you, you see, because the purpose of this perfections of the Spirit is to become our way of life. For the ways of God to become our ways. For God's kind of forgiveness to replace our limited kind of forgiveness. For our doubts to be transformed into faith. For my fears to become courageous acts of love. For my anger to be dissolved and become like God's gentleness. For my temporary and dissatisfying pleasures to become God's own joy. For our lies to become truth. For our darkness to become light. You see, we thirst. We thirst. And God gives us living water. We hunger. And God provides manna. We are lost, and God shows the way. We are restless, and God becomes our rest. We are seeking, and God becomes, comes along our side. We are tired, and God comes and sits a while with us. We are weak, and God becomes our strength. We are, dark, we are in darkness, and God brings us into God's own light. You get it now? A little bit? That's all the time I have.
This is a fascinating way of life. If you understand the dynamics of the spirit and soul in your life, it is easier to walk a successful and a victorious life with Jesus. Let us pray right there. Let us pray together. Dear God, we thank you that you bring us together and that uh, the cone of silence of, of smart doesn't fall down and separates us. But rather, the breeze of your spirit brings us together. Even those who we don't know each other now, we feel a little closer because we know who we really are with one another, but we know who lives in us. And that's who we love in one another, Christ in one another. Not how messed up they are, but Christ in them. Thank you for teaching us to love Christ in our brother and sister. Thank you for showing me me and allowing me to, to understand a little bit more about myself and how you work with me through your spirit, O oh God. I thank you that, that uh, you open your word to our minds because you have given us a brain to use. And I thank you that uh, you have provided your word that leads us to all truth because truth only satisfies our soul. We thank you, O oh God, for the members of our congregation, friends, and participants who are not here today. We pray for them. We pray for your spirit to comfort them. We pray for your spirit to dwell with them. We pray for your hand of healing to touch them. Lord, we thank you for our community. We thank you for summer camp. We thank you for the ministries of this congregation. We thank you for the involvement of people in session, in care and compassion, in spiritual growth, in worship and celebration and in faith in action. Bless those teams. We thank you, O oh God, for the hospitals, for the community workers, for the teachers. Bless them as they finish their year. But we thank you for Jesus who, who came and taught us and walked with us and spoke to us words of wisdom and words that comfort our souls. And who taught us to also pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.